These last few weeks we've been talking about the Good Shepherd. And I've been using that as an opportunity to talk about leadership more generally. Because leadership is something that I think we undervalue. And we also assume a lot of people are ready for it. And I'm here to tell you that a lot of people are not ready for any kind of leadership. Like, I think of leadership as not just being pastors, not even being mayors, not even being a president. Leadership happens in lots of different ways. You can be a leader of your family. Generally, genuinely, you're a leader of your family. You can be a leader of the book club. You can be a leader of your friends, cousins, brothers. You can be the leader there. And the way in which you select leaders, the way in which you look up to leaders, has to have some care and thought. Um, the reason why I say that is sometimes we pick the wrong kinds of leaders for the wrong kinds of reasons. And I wanted to talk just a little bit about that today. I don't want to spend too long on it, but I just wanted to spend a few moments talking about leadership. And the reason why I wanted to do that is because I'm realizing that social media hasn't created something new. It's exposed something that was already there already. <laughs> like the most popular people aren't the ones who are trying to give ushering some kind of kindness into your life and well-being in your life. They're usually the better looking ones. <laughs> They're usually the fastest ones. The ones who shoot the ball the best. The ones who throw the ball the best. <laughs> they're the ones who somehow seem to have turned into our leaders. And by leaders, I mean they're the ones you want the information from. It's almost like, and the reason why I know this isn't a new phenomenon is because this is what, exactly what happened when we were all in high school. We all wanted to be friends with the person who threw the ball the furthest. <laughs> it's completely arbitrary why that is the thing we've selected. Trust me, it's no, one, no one's seeking out the, the, um, the, the guy who's the best in the chess club. We don't care about that. <laughs> even, though, you know, even though he's probably the smartest person in school, we uh, not necessarily want to be your friend. You're not quite good looking enough for that. I'm making some assumptions there, but you're not quite trendy enough there, right? We look for friendship and we look for leadership in sometimes the most arbitrary locations, and I'm here to reset our expectations of leadership. I want to make sure we have a little bit of a reset, especially as you become leaders in your own environments, at your workplaces, at your, in your friendship. You want to make sure that the right kind of leadership is being exercised in those places, because when the right kinds of leadership is being exercised, the people will follow the right kind of leadership. Amen. Now, I will say this, there's a second part to leadership. Not only do you have to be the right kind of leader, but people have to want the right kind of leadership. Like, people have to desire it, otherwise they'll find themselves following the person that makes them feel good, even if it's not good for them. Yeah? And so we have to be very careful about the kind of leader we select. I was reading um, in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter, nine, um, chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. It was a really interesting time in the history of Israel. In the, in the history of Israel, this is a moment where they change the type of leaders they select. Up until that moment, they were being led by what is described as judges. These were judges were prophets. They were sometimes just generally just leaders, military leaders. But they were leaders selected, usually by God, to lead the people through a particular moment in their history. They were up until that point exclusively led by judges. Moses and Aaron have passed. Those are the leaders that God directly selected. And now they're being led by judges. 
All of a sudden, in this moment in history, the people of Israel decide we want to switch up how leaders are selected. We're not so much interested in the idea that God selects the leaders. We want to select our own leader for our own reason, right? Now the truth is Samuel, who was a brilliant prophet, he was both a prophet and a priest, he was amazing. He delivered the word of the Lord. When the Lord gave him the word, he gave it to the people. No messing around. Whether you like it or not, Samuel was on point. The problem was, however, that Samuel also made a mistake, though. He assumed his sons would be good leaders, and they were not. In fact, they were horrible leaders to the people. They stole from the people, and they did all kinds of things, and they knew Samuel was getting old. And they said to themselves, how, can we gonna, how is this going to keep going? So the people looked around and said, you know, everybody else has kings. Can we have a king as well? And that's where I'm going to start by reading in, in 1 Samuel 6, 8, excuse me, verse 6 and 7. But the thing displeased Samuel. So they're just telling Samuel, hey, Samuel, your, your, your sons aren't working. You're getting old. We want a king. And the, this is what the scripture says. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. I love his attitude here. The thing messed me up. It hurt in my spirit what you said, but I'm not going to come back and forth with you. I'm going to go talk to the Lord about it. I'm going to just go take this in prayer. And I think this is an example, whether, whether Samuel was right or wrong with selecting his sons, Samuel did the right thing now. He said, Lord, you know what? These people are driving me nuts. You sometimes we need to do that. Work, <laughs> sometimes school, sometimes um, classmates, sometimes next door neighbors. And we've got to say, Lord, I, 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 before I even answer you and respond to what you just said, let me just go speak to the Lord just for a quick second. Because I'm about to give you every bit of what's in my head, <laughs> but it's not necessarily what the Lord wants you to do. What's amazing about this moment is that when the, when the Lord spoke, spoke to Samuel, he made, he made him understand what was going on with the situation. And I want to, be, again, encourage prayer because prayer is an opportunity to reflect. Yes. <laughs> it's an opportunity to hear sometimes when we really want to spout off and say something. Has that been in your situation a few times? <laughs> Where the thing I want to do is say what's on the top of my mouth. But I need to take a beat, pray for a second, reflect, let the Lord speak to me a second, and then say the thing that the Lord really wants me to do. That's leadership. <laughs> Samuel is already exhibiting more leadership than most folks in the Bible, in the Bible, show at any moment in the time. He's challenged. We no longer, what they're basically saying to Samuel, in no uncertain term is, we really don't want your kind of leadership anymore. That must be tough to hear. I couldn't do anything but take that personally. If somebody said to me, you know what, yeah, I just don't want your kind of leadership anymore. That would be tough to hear. But what does Samuel do with that word that he hears? takes it back in prayer and this is what the Lord says to Samuel in reflection on that time he says and the Lord said unto Samuel hearken unto the voice of the people not what I expected to hear right they're obviously wrong but the scripture says to Samuel listen to what they say I'm wondering sometimes if we spend a bit too much time creating what our response is 
and I do this all the time, rather than listening to what is being said to me, right? I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation where you're talking to somebody and it's obvious that they're getting ready to say the next thing and you haven't finished saying what you're saying yet. Like, let, let me finish before you tell me what, you are about, what you're thinking about the thing I'm saying. I've been in those conversations constantly. I'm telling you something. Let me at least finish what I'm saying. Make it, make it at least pretend like you're listening to me before you give me an answer to what I'm saying, right? And so Samuel is here and he's saying, I want you to listen to the people. They're going to ask for something, but I want you to understand, I, I don't want you to take it personally. Let me read what the scripture says. In all that they say unto thee, I want you to give them what they say. For they have not rejected you, thee, but they have rejected me. The Lord is saying to Samuel, give them what they want. And don't even take it personally because it's not really even about you. It's about me. And I wonder sometimes if the person who people are rejecting in us isn't really so much about us, it's about the God in us. I don't want you to take it so personally anymore. When they can't stand being around you, when they reject your leadership, when they reject your kindness first, when they reject your love first, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Jesus in you. Um, I know it's hard sometimes because we, we can't help but internalize that's me they're talking about. But if we are doing the will of him who sent us, then really they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the one who sent us. Don't reject your kindness because of the thing that they're rejecting is the Lord. No, no. We have made our case with the Lord. He's going to lead our hearts. Rejecting my kindness isn't rejecting me. It's rejecting him. Amen. Be leaders even when it's not trendy, even when it's not good for them, even when it doesn't feel good to them, you want to make sure you internalize the leadership that the Lord has put in you. Be that leader to your friends. <laughs> Sometimes they're not going to like the word that you have in, the, in yourself for them. That doesn't make it any less the word of the Lord, but keep it in there. <laughs> So Samuel now is confronted with the fact that he has he's seen his leadership rejected, but he's realizing from the word of the Lord, they're actually not rejecting my leadership, they're rejecting the Lord's leadership. Because if in fact I've been doing the will of the Lord, what they're really rejecting is not my message, but the messenger from the one who gave the word in the first place. Amen? All right, so he says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. I'm king over them. That's why they haven't got a king right now. The Lord is saying, I'm king over them. They want another king and they don't want me. This is an amazing moment. And the person they select is not David. <laughs> That's, that, that will be God's choice a little bit later. The first king of Israel was Saul. <laughs> And what we know about Saul, I think it's in Samuel 9 and 2, this is what it says. And he had a son, talking about Saul's father, a choice man. In the King James Version, it says a choice man. This actually is, is he's a good-looking guy, is, what, is basically what it's getting at here. He says, a goodly, and, and a goodly one, and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. The one they select, instead of Samuel, <laughs> isn't somebody who's wiser, 
Not somebody who's closer to God. No, that's not what they're in. They wanted a good looking guy. They wanted somebody who looked the part, whether they were the part or not. On the surface, they wanted everything to be satisfied. What that was really going on at this moment is that Israel was looking at the kingdoms around them and saying, why do we have to be different? Let's just be just like them. Let's get a king. So who do we select? Let's select the ones that pleases our eyes rather than pleases our actual necessity. <laughs> so he says, and he said he had a son whose name was Saul, a goodly, a, a choice young man, a goodly, handsome, and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier, there was no one better looking <laughs> than Saul. I told you this, when we're back at high school, this is what we've always done. It's not like Instagram created this. It's always been this way. Our selection of leadership isn't based on what's good for us. It's based on what we like to see and what we like to look at. <laughs> we have to be really careful how we select our leaders. And he says, and the other thing that was good about Saul, he says from his shoulders upwards, he was higher than any of the people. You know the saying, head and shoulders taller? That's where this comes from. This is the head and, sh head and shoulders above everybody else. That's who Saul was. Note how they selected him, because he was good looking and he was tall. Good looking and tall, now, you know, okay, good. You know what's interesting about being selecting somebody who's good looking and tall? Is that the very first problem King Saul comes against that he can't figure out is somebody who's taller than him in the person of Goliath. <laughs> Oh, we selected a leader because he was tall, and then the tallest man that ever comes around is the first battle I've got to fight. Your, your selection criteria is off. You're selecting, you're selecting things, and there's no way that that thing that you're selecting can actually help you. Oh. So, he's good looking, Saul's so tall, taller than you, taller than me, but he's not tall enough. And the truth is, when we satisfy our eyes, there's always gonna be somebody who's better looking, always gonna be somebody who's just a little bit taller, always gonna be somebody who's a little bit faster, who can throw the ball a little bit further. And all I've gotta start, I'm saying, is that's not how I'm gonna select who's gonna be a leader among us anymore. Remember when I was young, I wanted to play soccer for my, um, my um, primary school. And I wasn't a very good soccer player. I, I was actually terrible. Uh, <laughs> it, it still hurts me to this day. I actually, they put me in goal because I was, in, as a goalie, because I was pretty good with my hands. They said, Leah, you play in goal. We're not gonna have you play out anywhere else. And the person, and the person who was the captain of the team was the year above us, was like one year older. And um, I remember I tried to, I was supposed to kick the ball to my, one of my players and I messed the kick up, it went straight out of bounds, right? And he walked up to me and says, mm, I don't think you're gonna be on the team any longer, right? Now, what I wanted from my captain, to be honest, the thing I wanted from my captain was encouragement, yeah. right? Yeah. The thing I wanted from him in that moment, I felt so embarrassed, I was so, I was, I was torn up at the moment, I knew this was, in fact, it was a workout, tryout for the team. Yeah. And he came up to me like, I don't think you're gonna, he was, he was certain, and he was right, I was not gonna make the team. However, the thing I needed in that moment was a little bit of leadership. The truth is, 
I go on to be a better athlete than any of them, right? But you didn't, he didn't see it at that time. Because I was awkward, I was taller than I was useful, right? I was tall, but I wasn't very good. And had he spent some time nurturing me, you see what I'm saying? You miss potential if the only thing you're looking at is the outside. Sometimes you've got to dig a little bit if you're going to be a leader in your area to see what you can coax out. Amen? So, so we've selected Saul, but they've selected Saul for all the wrong reasons. And it gets to be obvious very soon, because as Saul gets to be in leadership, what do we know Saul for? Being angry all the time, being jealous. He literally takes on David, and David has all these victories for Saul, for the people of God, and Saul can't see the victory because all he sees who got, who's, is who got the victory. And what was looked like somebody great for us on the outside now starts to look somebody who's unstable. His leadership goes from he's the tallest and most handsome to he could just about kill anybody at any moment. I don't know if you've ever been with angry people. Especially those ones that are angry for no reason and can pop off at any time. That's what Saul becomes, right? He becomes so angry that his anger can be kindled against David. He tries to kill him on multiple occasions. This isn't a good leader. Looked good at the start, but now that we've been with it a few times, doesn't look good at all. Can you help me turn to Matthew 7, 7 verse 15, if you would? This is what Jesus said about prophets, and I will take this as leadership more generally. This is what he said about, about, about leaders and prophets. In Matthew 7, 15, what does it say, sir? Beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. There are prophets there, there are leaders there, speakers there, preachers there, teachers there, but beware of the false ones. There's lots of them out there, and they're going to trick you <laughs> they keep going, in fact. Which come to you in sheep's clothing. Their outside of them look great. They look tall. They look handsome. Right? They look like they fit the part. But keep going. But inwardly, they are raving wolves. So literally, they have sheep's clothes over a wolf. That's what Saul was. <laughs> Saul looked great on the outside. He ticked all the boxes. This guy's tall. He's a good fighter. He's handsome. But you sit with a wolf for long, even with sheep's clothing on it, it will make sure it will reveal itself eventually. It's only going to dip its head to make it look like it's eating grass for so long, and it has to reveal its nature, right? So keep reading, sir. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, yep. but in will they are raven wolves. Yep. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Right, so this is, this is the thing that's interesting about leadership then. It's never always going to never be obvious the first day you meet a leader that they're a good leader. What the scripture is telling us here is that you need to see their fruit, meaning you have to wait for the season, the right season, to see who they are. I don't know about you, but I cannot, by looking, tell the difference between an apple tree and an orange tree. If you were to, right now, unless it's got fruit on it. Like wintertime, I don't know what I'm looking at. 
I am not a botanist. I don't have that skill set. I'm sure some people can look at the bark and look at the leaves and know, but it's only till well, spring, well, summer comes and the fruit starts to come. Oh, this is an orange tree. It's obvious. Yeah, this is obviously an apple tree. This is clearly the thing I wanted, but only until the season of fruit comes with it, which means we have to be patient yes. with our leaders to check who they really, really, really are. It needs some time. Yeah to see who they are in certain situations. Are this, is the person I want to follow or not? Yes, I want you to patiently select your leaders. Yes, Keep reading, what does it say? Shall know them by their fruits? Yeah. Do men gather grapes of thorns? Yes, sir. And figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Look, the sheep, the wolf in sheep's clothing can't help but being the, the, the wolf eventually. Regardless of what trickery it's put in place, eventually it's going to reveal itself. Eventually it's going to reveal itself. The fruit is going to eventually bear. It's going to have to show itself. But you have to be wise and discerning to make sure you're following the right things. Don't just follow the things that look good because that's the thing that they're using to trick you. That's the thing that they're using to trick you. I want you to follow great examples, good people, strong people, prayerful people, spiritual people, loving people, caring people. I want you to follow good examples. I want your, your, the things that you're feeding yourself with to, to bring, bring you a better life, not a worse one, right? Amen? Let's keep reading that out. Verse 14 to 18. A good tree yes, sir. not bring forth evil fruit. Neither a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Right. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewed down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruit ye shall know them. You're only going to know them by their fruit. Let's read another scripture. Let's go to St. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. Again, I just want you to be very careful about who you follow, who you decide to make your leader, your thought leader, your prayer leader. <laughs> Any kind of leader. Let's keep going. Verse 11. Yes. I am the good shepherd. Right. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus is here setting the standard, the example. What then is a good shepherd? He sets it straight away. He says, the one who's giving something for the, the thing he has to care for. Yeah. Right? What is good leadership then? I don't care if you're running for mayor, governor, President, if you don't love the people, don't bother even run. I don't care what kind of leadership you're trying to go for. If you don't love the people, don't, don't worry about it. And the second thing from scripture here we understand about good leadership is that you have to have a love for the people and you have to also be willing to sacrifice for the people. What is Jesus' leadership sit in then? Love and sacrifice. Love and sacrifice. You want to see a good leader? They're going to be the first one there, last one to leave. and to make sure everybody else isn't home before they've left. They're the one who's going to sacrifice the most. We were just talking about this on Thursday, weren't we? This idea that Jesus says, you want to be the, the leader of this, this 12? Be the servant. <laughs> a leader needs to be the servant. That sounds counterintuitive. It really does. Because that's not the way we've been set up to understand how world works. The, the one who's leader is the one who's the, the most successful, surely. 
the one who's the leader is the, the strongest one, surely. And the Lord is saying, no, no, the one who serves the most, he's the one who leads the most. Let's keep reading, sir. But he that is a hireling yep. and not the shepherd, yes. whose own the sheep are not, <laughs> seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catches them and scattereth the sheep. So now what we see is a difference between somebody who's invested in the, lead, in the people yes. and somebody who's not. Yes, somebody whose identity and... and and profit is but in the people and somebody who's not. The hireling's basically saying, these are not my sheep. I see the wolf and he's not gonna get me. I'm out, right? What actually happens though for the, for the shepherd, he says, I'm not going anywhere. If the wolf is coming in here, we, we're just gonna be fight. That's, we're just gonna have a fight right now with the wolf. The shepherd's going nowhere. The shepherd is not leaving, but the hireling takes off. There's a deep and abiding love that leaders should have for their people. So when you are situating yourself as, as a leader, think about the love you're supposed to have for those people you're leading. Amen? Verse 14, what does it say, sir? The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling. Yes. And careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. Yeah. And I'm known of mine. Three things I want you to take away from this scripture. Care empathy and love the shepherd is showing care for the sheep he wants he knows that sheep and empathy like like i know my sheep and my sheep know me i know who is mine that's who i'm taking care of that's who i am looking to that's who i'm trying to gravitate to the shepherd refuses to leave it says as the father knoweth me keep reading sir verse 15 and as the Father knoweth me, even yeah. so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I'm laying down my life for the sheep. This isn't a casual relationship. Yes. This isn't something he's going to turn away from. He say, I'm willing to lay down my life to defend this sheep. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Select your leaders wisely. Some people, as soon as they get a little bit of friction, they're like, no, I'm out. <laughs> like preachers today, teachers today, leadership today, you will see them as soon as they get a little bit of problem, like, oh, this is too much work for me. Now the person whose whole life is in this thing they're leading, oh, trouble, that's just what we're living with then. That's trouble, trouble's here. That's, what, that's just what we're dealing with. Think about it the way you think about your kids, right? I know it feels like sometimes you've said, oh no, Nia, I don't know. I don't know. But you can't. You just say, oh, Nia's just going to give me trouble from now until I'm passing. But she's my daughter. You're a leader of your house. You've got to do that for those who are in, out of the way too. Those friends that you're trying to encourage back in. They're just my friends. I, I don't know what to do with them, but I'm praying for them. <laughs> I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to be there for them. Leaders don't just quit when it gets hard. They're in there for everything. Select your leaders wisely. Give me a, one more scripture that I'm going to get out your way. Jeremiah 3, Jeremiah 3 and 15, if you would go there real quick. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When the Lord is selecting leaders for you, he's not just plucking any and anybody out for you. It's deliberate. He's looking, and you, that's why it's important that you look 
Ah, the character of who the person there is. Yeah. Jeremiah 3, um, let's go to 14 and 15. Turn, O backsliding children, yeah. saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. Okay, so he's basically, yeah. what the prophets do often in old book, the, the old prophets do this a lot. They compare the relationship between God and the people of God as a marriage. They do, he does this all the time. He says, I'm the br a bridegroom, you're the bride, yes, and you need to be faithful to me, yes, right? And right now he's describing an unfaithful partner. And he's saying, he's describing your faithful partner, he's saying, I need you to turn back. You've been unfaithful, but I need you to turn back, right? Let's keep going, sir. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, yeah. and I will take you one of a city. Yep and two of a family, yep. and I will bring you to Zion. I'm gonna bring you back to Zion, okay? I'm gonna bring you back to Zion, let's keep reading. Verse 15, and I will give you pastors. Leaders, I'm gonna actually literally select leaders for you. Right. According to my own heart. Right, so what is he talking about here? The kind of bridegroom, the kind of groom that wants to get a wayward back a wayward partner back, he's doing everything he can to get a wayward partner back, is the same heart I'm going to put in my pastors for you. That's what I want. I don't want pastors who are going to turn you crazy. I don't want leaders who are going to run you ragged, act like they're lords over you, act like they, they run everything. I'm going to give them few people that are going to care for you. And their care for you should be represented because their heart should look like my heart. I want our leadership to look like the Christ. Amen. And we already saw what the good shepherd's supposed to do. Yeah. I want your leadership to be infectious. I want your leadership to be in every location you stand. I want them to look to you. And when they reject your good leadership, don't be disappointed. They're probably rejecting him. But don't, that should not affect your leadership. Let your light so shine so that they may see your good works and be led to glorify your Father which is in heaven. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. In the name of the Lord Jesus.